Greetings and welcome to the latest episode of Si Yo Fuera Una Canción, If I Were a Song. We are a community-based podcast and radio show in which people of Santa Ana, California, tell us in their own words about the music that means the most to them. I'm Elizabeth Le Guin, your program host and director of this project. The project is based on my conviction that we people in the modern urban world need to learn to listen to one another, and that music and all it brings us is the perfect place to begin. My name is David Castaneda, music researcher here for the Si Yo Fuera Una Canción podcast. I'm so happy to be a part of this project, using my scholarly training and my performance experience to bring you the stories, music, and lived experiences of those living right here in Santa Ana. This reenactment in English was recorded with the voice actress, Terry Richter. Well, welcome, Yax. I'm very grateful that you've made time for our interview today. If you could just introduce yourself to our listeners, tell us your age, if you like, and some details about what you do, what you're working on right now. Okay, sure. Hi, Elizabeth. Thanks a lot. It's an honor. My name is Yax, Yax Montano. I'm 20 years old, turning 21 tomorrow. No, tomorrow? Yep, yep, tomorrow. <laughs> Happy birthday. <laughs> Thanks. And well, well, yeah, I've been, lately I've been tattooing for work, but I consider myself an artist. Well, well I'd like to be an artist, but yeah, I'm, I'm lucky that my main source of work has been tattooing for the last year, year and a half. So yeah, I like it a lot. So how's that? Are, are you implying that tattooing isn't an art? Or you don't feel that you're an artist when it comes to tattooing? How does that work? <laughs> well, no, it's not that. I don't mean that by being a tattooer, I'm not being an artist. But for me, my goal is to focus more on art instead of on tattoos. Mm. But at the same time, I, I like it because tattooing is a form of art via, well, via people, right? Via their skin. It's, it's art on the skin. And at the same time, it, it helps me to sustain myself financially. Of course. So what is your artistic background? What, what type of art do you hope to make in the future? Well, I really like art in general. Mm, I guess I like all types of art, all visual art, mm, painting, sculpture, drawing, all of that. I also really like music. I don't have a lot of experience with music. I've mainly drawn and painted my whole life, you know, just as a hobby. And I really enjoy it. It's what I like to keep doing. Okay. And tattoos are, like you said, a form of art that's done directly on the skin of human beings. Yes. And many people see it, right? It's like every one of your clients displays your art publicly wherever they go. Yes, it's a really big honor. It's, it's a funny feeling because before this, you know, I've always made art and there have always been people who say, oh, that's nice. And you know, they like it and they probably want a painting or something like that, but it's not the same. It's nothing like putting my art on someone's skin and them carrying it with them forever. Yeah, because tattoos last, right? Yep, yeah, permanently, well, more or less. And it's really, it's also really personal. Choosing a design for a tattoo is a super personal decision. Yes, Yes. Okay. Which of the designs that you've done up until now do you like the most? Which which one are you the most mm. proud of? That's tough. That's a really hard question. There are so many designs I've done that are special in different ways. Um, some designs were really special to the client, and others were ones that 
I really wanted to draw, but I'm trying to think. I guess the truth is there's so many. Um, I have a friend who I actually met through Tattoo because she was my client and then we became friends. Mm. And she has almost her entire arm is full of my drawings, things that I drew without anyone requesting them, just things I wanted to draw. And they're almost all of the drawings she chose were inspired by things that were happening in my life or my feelings. Mm. And she chose them and has like half her arm full of my tattoos. To me, that's really special, really special. Above all, because she gave me her trust and she likes what I do and she chose things that were special to me. Yeah. Yeah. That shows a lot of confidence in you, right? <laughs> yeah. I imagine that's a sign of a pretty strong friendship. Yes. <laughs> That's nice. And okay, in terms of your current presence in Santa Ana, because as you know, this podcast centers on Santa Ana communities. H how did you come to live in this part of Southern California? Yeah, well, uh, before I was living in Santa Ana, I lived in Guadalajara in Mexico. And Santa Ana was one of the first cities I lived in in the United States. So I came here to live with my mom and she was here already, and she'd already made friends here and everything. Mm -hmm. So I lived the first five years of, of my life in the United States, in Santa Ana. I came back when I was 15 years old, still pretty young, and, and finished high school. <laughs> I, uh, I changed a lot in Santa Ana. Y you could say it's a city that saw me transform from a child into an adult. Hmm. From your perspective... How do the two cities, Guadalajara and Santana, how do they compare? What are, what are some of the differences between them that stand out to you? Hmm. Uh, okay, well, for starters, I mean, I don't want to state the obvious, but a big difference is that, well, Guadalajara is a huge city. It's very, very big. It's a metropolitan city with several neighborhoods and a ton of people, like, well, very large. It's a very big city, very active with a lot of things to do and see. <laughs> and for me, Santa Ana, well, the difference is that it feels like a small city. <laughs> not quite a town, not quite a town, but more, well, less urban, less urban than Guadalajara. So sometimes it's a bit difficult because that affects my work. I mean, the stuff I have to do every day, the public transportation as well, it is not as easy for me to get from place to place in Santa Ana as it was in Guadalajara. Of course not. For me, that's the most notable difference, the size of the city and the differences that brings. But I guess it's also a cultural change, right? Because mm -hmm. even though Santa Ana has a large community of Latinx people and people from other countries, an immigrant community, well, it's not quite the same, right? <laughs> you still feel... You feel mm, the cultural difference from one country to another. Yes. The, the difference is really one of density, I would say. <laughs> yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Here in Southern California, the communities are planned out in such a way that they're very dispersed and the distances are quite large, on top of the fact that, like you said, the public transit system here is pretty poor. <laughs> yes, very poor. So without a car access to urban spaces, to public spaces. It's, it's really a challenge. All right, let's talk about the two songs you've selected. You've chosen fascinating music. And the first one, the one that represents your origins or where you're from, tell us the name of the song, if you will, and, and a few words about how this song came into your life. Sure. 
The song is called I'm Not From Here Nor From There in English, and the version I chose is by Chavela Vargas. The original is by someone else, uh, a singer-songwriter. The, the truth is I don't know who they are. <laughs> it's by uh, let's see, Facundo Cabral. Uh, okay. I knew it was a man, but I always listen to the Chavela Vargas first. Okay. So let's listen to the song before getting into what it means for you in your life. Great. No soy de aquí. Soy de allá. No tengo edad. Ni por venir. Y ser feliz es mi color de identidad. No soy de aquí. Ni soy. All right. I have a thousand questions. <laughs> Ask away. Well, for starters, let's let's start with Chavela Vargas's voice. It's a very distinctive voice, isn't it? Yes. And as you just said, there are other versions, several of this song. What about this voice brings you a sense of where you're from? Yeah. Well, First, I think I identify much more with a woman than with a male singer, but it, it's not just that. It's not just that. Also, well, obviously her voice. It's a gorgeous voice, no? Mm. Well, I've listened to it many times, many, many times. <laughs> I've listened I've listened to Chavela Vargas songs throughout my whole life. But always, every time, her music makes me feel something that sometimes I can't even explain. It's like that um, feeling of, I don't know, sometimes it gives me a feeling of power or of inspiration, sometimes melancholy. It's that way sometimes. But it also, it always makes me feel something passionately, right? Mm -hmm. and it's, it's strange, no, because she isn't a singer that that really lets loose with her voice. You could say she's not a very lyrical singer. Her voice is, uh, well, it's it's low in pitch. Yeah. Right? And and also, well, in this song, for example, sometimes she's barely singing. It's more like a combination of singing and speaking, right? It mm -hmm. it sounds like it sounds like she was a smoker. I'm not sure she was. <laughs> there's a there's a, a bit of like gravel in her voice, like <laughs> Yeah, like a bit a bit raspy. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. that's the word. All right. So in my understanding, Chavela Vargas rose to fame singing rancheras. And well, it's a very lyrical music, right? With floating melodies and vocals suspended in space. I I don't really know how to describe it. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. not in Chavela's case. That's not her style here. Her her way of singing is very, very grounded, I would say. And well, what do you think of what I just said? <laughs> Well, yeah, I definitely don't think I've ever put it in those words, but but yeah, I feel like she has her own way of singing. Like uh, more than anything, it's like it's more like speaking instead of singing, as if she's uh, reciting the words. It's like it feels very intimate. Mm. I feel like that makes it really intimate because it feels like she's there singing to you quietly. But even so, she has such a powerful voice that she doesn't need to do many vocal flourishes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. There's an intimacy to it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, all right, thinking about the song again for a bit, 
If you had to say what the principal effect the song, as sung by Chavela Vargas, has on you, what, what would that be? Hmm. Well, in, in terms of her own in terms of her own personal life, I, I think the song really fits because, you know, she was from Costa Rica, but she considered herself to be Mexican, right? Mm-hmm. So this song says, I'm not from here, nor am I from there. And I take that to mean literally, well, she's not, she's not from one single place. Mm-hmm. I also like... Um, I also like that there are a lot of lesbian references. For me, it's like a lesbian anthem. <laughs> <laughs> and I love that Chavela never, she she didn't come out of the closet, so to speak, until she was very, very old. But even so, she found ways to express her sexuality one way or another, right? Mm. So I find it really strange that this song was written by a man because it sounds like it comes from a woman's perspective. Yeah. Yeah, it is very strange. Chavela did a very powerful act of appropriation there. And yeah, there's that verse that goes, no le gustan los señores. She she doesn't like men. It made me laugh. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, She enjoys love affairs, but men never. Okay, Elizabeth. So we have here Chavela Vargas, an amazing rendition of this song. I actually wasn't too familiar with this artist before this episode. Were you familiar at all with Chavela? Well, she has a huge repertory and a lot of recordings, so I can't claim to have a, a complete knowledge of all of that. But she's kind of a lesbian icon as a musician. Mm. And I had run into her through my connections to that community. Uh, but yeah, so diverse and so so rich what she what she does with every song that she sings. Uh, so, yeah, tell me a little bit about what you discovered in getting to know her and her voice. Well, for me, I think that it's always difficult for anyone in any kind of artistic endeavor to create a signature, right? That's what artists are always trying to do. Mm. With Chavela, it seemed like everything was about signature and sello, right? In Spanish, sello is like, her stamp, right? Like her, who she is in terms of her art um, and reflected in her art and in her singing, her compositional style, the way that she interprets songs, it's all just so original and very, very intense. And, you know, this, from what I learned, this artist was actually singing ranchera music, which is very different. It sounds very different uh, for anyone who's familiar with ranchera music, but she was taking this music and going a completely different direction with it and being extremely musical and the way that she would manipulate tension and release in her interpretation of the songs is just gorgeous. It's amazing, amazing, amazing work to be able to do this. Ah, Tremendous voice. I mean, I think nature just gifted her with this amazing instrument in her body. And you know, um, Yax talks about how she she feels the intimacy in this song, uh, you know, that she feels like Chavela is talking to her, kind of talking in her ear almost. And and this is another thing through some of Chavela's many recordings. Um, she really knew how to use a microphone, mm-hmm. you know, so when she mm-hmm. wants that intimate feeling, she knows exactly kind of how to get the mic to work for her, you know, so that it sounds like she's right there in your ear. And then she'll take a step back and she'll just belt, you know, and it's, it's, uh, it's masterful. 
a un santo Cristo de fierro llorona mis penas le conté yo cuáles no serían mis penas llorona que el santo Cristo lloró cuáles no serían mis penas llorona que el santo Cristo lloró masterful also lots of practice she made over 80 albums so she had lots of time in the studio to get that right holy cow 80 80 80 80 yeah this is a person who just lived and breathed music isn't it mm-hmm. i'm so happy for this episode that I, I actually was not like i said before I, i had no intimate familiarity with with her music and now i'm like all about her work and her body of work uh. i'm very excited to explore more But how how funny, because, yeah, this Facundo Cabral, the, the author of the song, who is, as far as I know, he is the original composer. I've listened to his version, and I have to tell you the truth, I didn't make it to the end of the song, because mm. I completely agree with you. This song sounds mm-hmm. really great from the mouth of a woman. It has a, mm-hmm. a freedom, and there's a power in the feminine voice that... Sung by a man, it has, I don't know, a completely different message, a message that is a bit arrogant or something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So in terms of your personal connection, your sense of your origins, why this song? Well, honestly, this song was the easiest to choose. I totally relate to this song. And I've always, from the first time I heard it, I've always felt a great connection to it. And not just to the lyrics, but also to the sound, right? Mm. But but all the lyrics are, to me, um, I can relate. You know, I was born here, but I grew up in Mexico. And then I came back here. And when I first got here, I had a lot of issues around my identity. Mm. I didn't feel like I was from here. Um, but now, too, when I go back to Mexico, sometimes I don't feel like I com- I'm completely from there. Mm-hmm. So there's always a feeling of... Of that, I'm just from myself, you know? I'm not <laughs> from a particular place. Um, I'm not from here nor from there. And being happy is the color of my identity, right? <laughs> and to me, that means your identity is inside yourself and in what you do for yourself. And what makes you happy is who you truly are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's lovely. Yeah, because the song... It's not a lament. No, no. I, I would think, with without listening to this version by Chavela Vargas, that with that title, I'm not from here nor from there, that this song would be some kind of lament or complaint about not belonging anywhere, right? Yes. But no, it isn't that at all. It's it's more like a celebration of that state of not belonging anywhere. Do I have that right? Yeah, for sure. It's almost like a a kind of revelation or a way of singing your freedom, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I really like this inter- interpretation of the song. And so, moving on now to your second song, which is really quite different. <laughs> yeah. As you know, the second song represents or expresses your hopes for a future or the future. I think there are various futures. And All right. Can you please give us the title and a bit of what you know about this second song? 
Sure. The song is called Flight 319, and it's by 070 Shake. And I heard it because I like this artist very much and listen to her music a lot. And this song, more than anything else, the sound made an impact on me, the sound of the song. I don't know if it's the production or how you would call it, but I like the way it makes me feel. Yeah. Okay. Let's listen to the song. No pigmentation, giving you the blues. Suffering from FOMO, she could come too. Screaming out YOLO, jumping off the roof. One more drink, one less I lose. What a song. <laughs> So the form of this song really grabs my attention because it starts out one way and up until about like two minutes and 15 seconds, it's more or less one thing. And then out of nowhere, there's like this break, right? And you hear the voice of a man saying, good night to all of you. And from that moment, it becomes something else. So, okay, tell me a bit about this song. It's so out of the ordinary, such a profound shift halfway through a song is something you don't hear that often. So. Please explain to me a bit about how this song carries your hopes for a future. <laughs> well, yeah, it's funny because what attracts me about this song and what makes me think about a future more than anything is just the sound. Mm. That change, that difference makes makes me feel things the lyrics don't really reflect. But yeah, it's uh it's it, it's something about the sound that gives me a lot of hope. It gives me, makes me feel like everything's going to be fine. And yeah, I'm trying to, trying to think and put it in words. So you said the sound, is, is it the background sound uh, uh, at, at the beginning of the song, for example? Is, is that what you're referring to? Well, I'm referring to the song itself without the words. So this is the music. Mm. So... Okay, so what you're referring to, that transition, like a beat or something that changes the song from one thing to another into something completely different. <laughs> yeah, well, the composition in general just really fascinates me. <laughs> me too, because uh, it's so unusual. That, that sound at the beginning, before the voice comes in, that sound is... <sighs> it's, it's nice, right? It's like, are you able to describe it? Hmm. I don't know if I can describe it in words, but uh, for me, it's a bit, how can I say it? It's a bit more, I don't have the words for it, really. I'm not very good at describing music. <laughs> Sometimes it's impossible to describe music, really. <laughs> Do you have colors or shapes that would be equivalent? I mean, not colors specifically, but this song is, I uh, sometimes Okay, I sometimes close my eyes when I listen to it. And honestly, there have been many times where it made me feel like it's the end of the world. I don't know, like that. <laughs> that's, that's the sensation I get from it. Like, like I'm going through that, but I don't feel, it doesn't feel bad, you know? I mean, like 
maybe it's not the end of the world like the apocalypse, but it's the only way I can describe it. It feels like a big, like maybe a a catastrophe or a big change or something big is happening. Mm. But you're just there listening and it feels fine and, and everything is fine. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's how that's how it makes me feel. All right. Remembering now the sound of the first part of this song and yeah, there's like a a peacefulness present behind the song. I, I would describe it as a, a somewhat luminous peacefulness. Hmm. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Of course, because it is super difficult to describe these things with words alone. Sometimes I find that images help me a bit. So great. So does this song give you hope in the sense that you, all of us, live in a world that's uh, endangered in various ways? Yes. A fragile world. And I, I think we're all looking for sources of hope, like a, a bit of ground to stand on that's firm and reliable, right? And what you've described to me is like a sound world that carries that feeling of something reliable or something something greater than ourselves. Yes. Mm, yes. That's lovely. That's lovely. So the lyrics, which I'll confess, I have a bit of a hard time understanding what she's saying, <laughs> but, but the lyrics, and I'm mostly referring to the chorus type part that goes, say, oh, I'll never know how long I'll stay, how far I'll go. How, does that chorus affect you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In fact, that's the part where I identify most with the lyrics because um, it's something all humans deal with in our lives, right? Like we don't. We don't really know how long we'll be here or how far we'll get, what we're going to do, how we're going to go, all of it, really. Life is so full of unknowns. Hmm. But <laughs> to me, she doesn't say it in a sad way. It's more like she's saying, well, yeah, I don't know how long I'm going to be here. I don't know how it'll be, but it's okay. <laughs> yeah. It's okay. But it's, it's okay. It's not necessarily a tragedy mm -hmm, mm -hmm. or even sad. It's, it's simply, well, the conditions of life. Yes. Wow. You have a lot of wisdom for someone who's not even 20 years old. <laughs> no, I'm turning 21. I'm, t I'm 20. Ah, uh, uh, oh, that makes all the difference. Wisdom <laughs> arrives at age 21. Yep. <laughs> yes. Yeah, right? But I really think you're touching on a theme that's important to everyone here. When I... When I think of the world's young people, it's it's you guys who will inherit this earth of ours that's in danger, that we've made a disaster of in so many ways. And I constantly worry about the hopes of the youth. Um, I don't know. It's a very heavy topic. I, I know that. 070 Shake uh, takes her performance name. She takes the name from 070 is the first three numbers of New Jersey postal codes. And she's from New Jersey of Dominican heritage. And she belonged to a collective there in New Jersey called 070. And so when she broke out as a solo artist, she became 070 Shake. And she started out as a poet and kind of crossed that very interesting bridge of, from poetry to spoken word to rap. 
and has quite recently had a lot of success as a rapper. And a very interesting one she is. Uh, tell me a little bit about what you heard in listening to this song, Flight 319, and, and to her music. So I think for me, the most apparent thing is this new approach to music, making music. So this is like taking sounds, um, perhaps from like an acoustic instrument, right? Instruments mm -hmm. that we know of, and putting them through synthesizers to create sounds that are impossible to create with acoustic instruments and then creating these what i like to call soundscapes right they're just these sounds that don't really make any kind of sense musically but they create a vibe and that's all over this type of production with this with this song here it's something yeah. that has become very popular ever since synthesizers became very mainstream and widely used in music production in the 80s um and it's It's gotten to a point now where artists like uh, Billie Eilish, I think in her bro her brother, who's her producer as well, she was saying that he recorded the sound uh, when you press the button to call the flight attendant on an airplane. He recorded it <laughs> uh -huh. and then was able to take that sound, put it into a computer, manipulate it with the computer, and then able to make a beat out of it that Billie Eilish was unable to go and use. This kind of creativity using all kinds of sounds, not just musical instruments, and manipulating them digitally allows an infinity of different types of sounds that you can create with the computer. And to me, that was one of the first things that was very apparent in this song, because it's done so well. You know, and it creates yeah. such a vibe just from the, from the onset. Well, yeah, it does. And of course, this is what she's responding to. And she's zeroing in on this this soundscape, as you call mm -hmm. it. She finally gets to a point where, she, where she's saying, you know, it, it kind of sounds like the end of the world, but in a good way. And I'm just thinking, yeah, you know, these, these are sounds that don't occur in nature. And they, they don't occur acoustically. Yax also, you know, mentions this opening as being just really important to her. And what I what I noticed is that it it creates a feeling, like a sonic metaphor, I would call it, of space, of spaciousness. Like you're in a really big room. Of course, reverb. What reverb does is it simulates a sound using algorithms. What, why don't we give our audio team a cue now, hit the reverb, and let's talk, Elizabeth. Go ahead and say something. Well, yeah, and the thing about talking with reverb is that it can make you sound like a very important person because your voice is ringing out over this implied large space, which is probably full of worshipful listeners. Yes. Si yo fuera listeners. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> Case in point, so that, that would be our little example with the reverb. And um, yeah, and it's pleasant at the beginning of this song, Flight 319. You know, all of these things kind of braid together and create this sense of a unique space, a space that actually doesn't exist in the physical world. It's, it's an imaginary space. It's, what's, what's the word you were bringing up earlier? Liminal. Yes.
A liminal space. Yeah. So I, I really got into this idea of liminality when I was working on my dissertation. I came across a, an essay written by Victor Turner mm. um, about being in between, right? So the name of the essay is Betwixt and in, Betwixt and Between the Liminal Period and Rites of Passage. And this whole idea has to do with being in between one state of consciousness and being and going into another. But that one space there is so important, that transitionary space. Uh, to connect it back to Chavela Vargas, you know, for, for me, what she allowed, just in who she was, was a liminal space, an acknowledgement of a liminal space, a space and a way of being that was not conforming with accepted ways of being in many different ways, right? Her music and her as a person. For me, as a Latino growing up in the United States, and I can say I, for many years of my life, felt very much as being in such a liminal space, right? I very much did not feel like I was American, but I also didn't feel like I was Mexican or Guatemalan, right? Like I didn't really feel like I was from Guatemala. I didn't really feel like I was from Mexico. A lot of, a lot of my youth was spent in this really uh, alone, lonely, liminal space right? That a lot of youth of diaspora, diaspora communities doesn't even have to be Latino, have to come to terms with all across the, the world. And it wasn't until much later that I started to hear people actually talking about this space and the challenges that people can face when they don't feel that they are conforming and they don't feel that they fit in ethnically, culturally, racially. They can, just the conversation, just the making of that space can be so powerful. And song over, about, uh, done by Chavela Vargas, her version of Ni De Aquí, Ni De Allá. And even songs like this one, that create this space without words, can be so powerful in creating that feeling of belonging. That That's what we're all really looking for. And that's what we yearn for. Absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. Thank you for sharing that, David. I think it's something that Latinos need to really discuss more. Again, being someone who you know, as a first generation Latino here in the United States, I, I kind of had my experience in that as well. And I think we as a community, as a Latin community, uh, we need to come together and really fix that because that needs to be talked about, number one. Um, also, I think that what Latinos need to do here is realize that, you know, the United States, since its inception, has been part of Latin America. Right, that we are in Latin America. And that doesn't mean that we're any less American. You know, it's just that this country from its inception has been a place where many people from many different places have come to create, be it life or business or whatever. And to realize this is to realize that you don't need to feel disconnected from your Latinidad if you were born here, right? And it's, that's a hard, realization to come to it's also a realization that looks different for every individual because it's a very personal journey um but what i hope is conversations like this can provide at least a space for people to number one not feel alone that they're the only one feeling these kinds of feelings because you aren't and number two for people to really realize that this is a, a problem and, and and a challenge that many people face so it's something that we as a community we should really be active in, in acknowledging and addressing. Um, so, yeah, I'm on board with everything you're saying, David, and, and I'm really glad to hear you saying it. I appreciate it a lot. It's 
we live in a amazing place and i guess my only my main point is that we don't have to divide them it can still be latin america it can still be the united states it can still be everything that this is we don't have to choose can you speak a bit about well the sources of your feelings of hope because it's impossible to live without at least some hope in life. You've shown us this sonic image that the, the song evokes for you. I like it a lot. But speaking now kind of beyond the song and a bit more generally, what are your main sources for the, the will to continue, let's say? Oh, wow. I was not prepared for that question. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, it's... Uh, well, I think it's a bit difficult, definitely, to find that sense of hope sometimes, especially, like you're saying, with everything that's happening in the world and everything that's going to keep happening and that we're starting to see is going to keep getting worse and worse. That, right? Mm. And, and the changes. N nothing will ever be the same. But I think one of the things that helps me the most to have the hope to want to keep going and to be okay is, well, people and passion, I think. And, and not just my own passion, but the passion of other people that's expressed in different ways, you know? Because, mm -hmm. you know, of course, there are people who are very, very focused on helping the world and making a change. So all this doesn't turn out as badly as it could. But at the same time, I also have a lot of respect for people um, who it's it's not that they don't care, but who are more focused on enjoying their own lives in a way that doesn't affect other people. Mm. But that, well, it, well, yeah, they they live their lives to be happy, right? And I respect that a lot too. But you know, definitely one of my greatest inspirations is art in any form by any person, and you can really see like that hope in people through their art. And that hope also inspires me and, and gives me hope. Yes. And inspiration is, I don't know, a fundamental element of hope, I think. Like Chavela Vargas says, being happy is the color of my identity. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I sometimes think that looking for happiness and finding a few moments or perhaps a few hours of happiness could be a political act, right? Because it's as if we're reclaiming that thing, that that right that we have to be happy. Yeah, the right to, uh, the right to enjoy life. Because, hmm. yeah, a lot of the time I feel like uh, the way the system is set up and the way we live, well, we don't get a lot of space, a lot of time to do the things that we enjoy or the things that make us feel fulfilled or the things that make us human. Mm. So to me, the most important thing to be able to do is to find that space where you feel alive while you still are. <laughs> yeah. And a lot of the time, it seems to me that that system we're living in endeavors to crush yeah. our happiness or stop it. It's, it's certainly an act of resistance yes, to pursue yes. happiness and to pursue artistic expression as well. I, I know you weren't prepared for a question like that. <laughs> 
Okay. <laughs> but you handled it perfectly. Your, your point of view inspires me. <laughs> Thanks a lot. <laughs> so we're arriving at the end of the interview. I, I think something I'd really like to do, if you think it's a good idea, is to put some of your drawings or artworks, or maybe your tattoos, on the Cio Fuera Una Cancion website. Images of your work that you feel express maybe some of these ideas we've talked about. Yes, of course. That would be great. I can totally send them to you. Great. I really appreciate your time and your thoughts, which you express so well. And mm. yeah, it's been a great pleasure. Sure. Thank you. Thanks so much as well for giving me this space this time and for listening to me. And yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My interview with Yax shares some fundamental themes with other interviews in this project. Migrant experience is a red thread that stitches together many lives here in Santana, and among the many ways of weaving together and sustaining this always somewhat precarious identity, music stands out, whether for its ability to preserve and awaken memories of dear and lost places, or for its way of suggesting new, luminous, and untrodden horizons. As we explored in our recent episode featuring Don Apolonio Cortes, radical self-sufficiency is a very common response to the migrant condition. This has been expressed in various songs chosen by our interviewees. For example, the song of Jorge Drexler, where he says, We are a traveling species. We don't have belongings, only luggage. To the famous song by Facundo Cabral that Yax chose. But also, as our own David Castañeda has just expressed, there is an undercurrent of longing. And if it's not our fortune to be able to count on a homeland, it becomes especially important to find community. Some, like Luis Sarmiento in episode 4, Abel Ruiz in episode 10, or Diana Morales in episode 13, find this through connecting to the earth or to indigeneity. Others, like David, or like Lucy Dale in episode number six, or like Yax herself, seek it through synthesizing new, shared identities. Migrant experience can remind everyone that our time here is temporary at best. In a profound sense, none of us is ever from here, nor are we from there. There's a body of traditional Mexican verse that explores and expresses this aspect of the human condition with a striking combination of beauty and matter-of-factness. Here's a translation of one of them. We're all here in passing, like feathers on the wind. In this life that we've been loaned, no one should get attached, because everything there is will end and be erased by time. Would you like to know more? On our website at ciofuera.org, you can find lyrics to the songs we discuss, our blog about the issues of history, culture, and politics that come up around every song, links for listeners who might want to pursue a theme further, and some very cool imagery. You'll also find playlists of all the songs from all the interviews to date, and our special staff-curated playlist as well. We invite your comments or questions. Contact us at our website or participate in the Si Yo Fuera conversation on social media. We're out there on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And then there's just plain old word of mouth. If you like our show, do please tell your friends and your families to give it a listen. And do please subscribe on any of the major podcast platforms. We'll bring you a new interview every two weeks on Friday mornings. Julia Alanis, Cynthia Marcel de la Torre, and Wesley McClintock are our sound engineers. Zoe Broussard and Laura Diaz hold down the marketing. 
David Castaneda is music researcher. Deaneira Garcia and Alex Dolvan make production possible. We are a not-for-profit venture currently and gratefully funded by the John Paul Simon Guggenheim Foundation. For now, and until the next interview, keep listening to one another. I'm Elizabeth Le Guin, and this is Si Yo Fuera Una Canción, If I Were a Song. fuera una canción sonarían por las calles las montañas y los valles mi orgullo y mi pasión ¿Quién soy yo de corazón? Soy una una, soy una onda una vibración que ronda por el universo vivo y sonando soy testigo a nuestra unidad más honda. 